welcome to Adventures in Autism, episode 33. I am Megan Kronza. Thank you so much for coming to listen. Uh, I just have to say thank you everyone who has been reaching out. I have been hearing from so many of you and it is so wonderful to connect. If you are one of those people who are enjoying the show, please feel free to leave a rating and review um, on Apple Podcast. That really helps people to find the show and I would be so appreciative. And today's show is a really good one. I have Stephanie DeLucy, who you might know as Mrs. D from Mrs. D's Corner. She is an amazing special education teacher and basically just like an online resource for parents and teachers. She has so many awesome ideas and tips and tricks and kind of like hacks. (laughs) She has, I, I feel like I've learned so much from following her. So I was super excited to have her on the podcast. So we talk all about her career as a special education teacher and she actually gets very honest and open and talks about her issues with anxiety that she's been dealing with, her own personal kind of journey with anxiety. And it was really refreshing to hear her be so open and candid. She is that way on her social media, which is something that really drew, drew me to her, just that that honesty. And I, I really appreciated her just being so open because I know that so many people can relate to those anxiety struggles. So it was a really great conversation that I had with her and I hope you enjoy listening. Hi, Stephanie. Hello. Welcome to Adventures in Autism. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here today. Oh, I'm so excited to have you. So just to give a little background, you guys may better know Stephanie as Mrs. D <laughs> from Mrs. D's Corner on Instagram. That's that's where I had first connected with her. And I just saw her posting amazing stuff such great resources for for teachers and for parents like me so then I was like all right I gotta get you on the pod so (laughs) so I'm so excited to have you today um you and I were talking a little bit before we started and I was just saying that I would really like to hear your backstory and kind of what what brought you to teaching especially with special needs and it sounds like you have done quite a bit in the field yeah so if you'll kind of start us at like the beginning of your journey sure so growing up I was one of those I just feel like I was made for teaching. (laughs) It's just this intrinsic piece of me that I just, I've always loved it. I would take extra worksheets home from um, my teachers in elementary school and teach like invisible kids in my my bedroom. I'm not even kidding. (laughs) So I've always wanted to be a teacher. I've never really wanted to be anything else. Mm -hmm. And I honestly never really thought about teaching special ed, Mm -hmm. but there's this one moment in life. And it's so, it's so funny. So I remember it so clearly. Um, my mom and I, my brother, so I have a younger brother. We, the three of us, we were coming out of Walmart of all places Mm -hmm. to remember (laughs) this from, we were coming out of Walmart and my mom saw one of her friends and I don't remember who it was. I couldn't pick her out of my mom's friend today. (laughs) I just remember she was talking to one of her friends and she was, I was picking up little parts of the conversation. I was in elementary school or middle school. Okay, you were little. So I was younger, right? And mm-hmm. I just remember her talking about her son has special needs and how he was just getting extra help in school. And that day, I don't know what it was. It just clicked. And I was like, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to school to be a special ed teacher. And that's 
kind of how it happened. So gosh, you were that young and you sparked that passion. Yep. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. So you were on the path right from the jump. (laughs) Right from the start. Yeah. So I went to um, Kutztown University, which is in Pennsylvania. I'm from Pennsylvania Mm -hmm. and did my four-year degree. So I'm a dual certified teacher uh, with it's, what do they consider? It's special ed nursery N through 12. So I can pretty much teach anything in special ed and then elementary ed from K to six. So I was certified in that. And then like we talked about, I, she was like, well, well, what what have you taught? Have you taught? And I'm like, everything. (laughs) (laughs) I've I've done a lot of moving around Mm -hmm. um, because with my husband's job, we move a lot, which is fine. I, I really enjoy it. So I've Mm -hmm. taught extended school year in Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. I did that for the first four summers after I graduated from college. And then my very first year I taught in Virginia, Northern Virginia, and I was a seventh grade math co-teacher. So I was the special ed half of the classroom and it was the best job ever. I loved the school. I loved where I worked. I loved the people that I taught with. I loved the kids. I loved the age. I loved everything about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my husband and, got, and I got engaged, so I moved back to Pennsylvania to the Philadelphia area with him, and we got married. And it's really hard to find a teaching job in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. So I first I did what did I do first? It all kind of runs together. Because yeah, <laughs> I understand that. <laughs> I did what was it? I taught at a charter school in Delaware. Okay, and I did it was middle I think it was middle school and I did all of the math so I had a caseload of 40 to 60 kids oh wow that I did I I it was kind of inclusion but kind of resource Mm -hmm. Um, charter is very different than public school so yeah they kind of had their own thing and then I accepted a job at a high school as an instructional support team facilitator and basically that means that I was somewhat of a behavior support for kids who didn't meet requirements to have an IEP or for kids who had not yet been identified. And we're talking high school. So mm-hmm. they, they really needed some extra love. And I loved, loved that job. I loved working with the kids. Mm-hmm. The age was just perfect. And I ended up the budget cut my position. So I didn't get to go back to that job. Mm-hmm. Then, then I taught in another charter school in um, <laughs> Chester, Pennsylvania, only for a couple of months because then we found out we were moving to Texas. Okay, <laughs> we moved to Texas, and I taught self-contained for three years in an elementary school, mm-hmm. and I left that job due to my anxiety. So I do have anxiety, and I'm very open about sharing my journey with that. Mm-hmm. And now we're in Georgia. You guys really have it all over. <laughs> we have, yes. And it's it's a lot of fun. I don't not like I love every part of it. I love getting to experience new places and mm-hmm. it's all so different. So getting to learn new things in every different school and district is it really is a lot of fun. It's a lot of work, but I really do enjoy it. Yeah. Um, I do want to ask what so your, your most recent job, like you said, you were working self-contained. Yes. I feel like so my son is in a self-contained kindergarten class and it's actually K through two but I think I think this year there's only kindergartners and first graders Mm -hmm. um and I feel like that is something that maybe I don't explain very well so I would I would love to hear from like your teaching perspective if you can just explain what exactly self-contained is 
Ooh, that's a great question. I know, right? I'm always <laughs> talking about the podcast, and I'm like, am I explaining this? How well, do you I don't even know. Explain it. Well, how do you explain it? And then I can well, share like my okay. perspective. So, so my son, when he was in 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 preschool through our district, okay. he was in. I think it was still considered self-contained, but it was a slightly more blended situation. Okay. Um, meaning that like there were kids that were on the spectrum. There were kids that maybe just had some delays, okay. there were kids with, you know, ADHD, the, the class that he's in now and our situation is, is a little bit particular also because we live in a pretty small school district. Okay. So he, he is in a co-op with our district and there's like two or three other like neighboring school districts. Okay. And that, and, and like I said, it is a self-contained classroom and he is actually with all kids who are on the spectrum Mm -hmm. and they use, I don't know if you're familiar with the star curriculum. So it's like really made for kids with autism. Okay. So his, his self-contained might be unique because it really is like basically just for autism. Yeah. Um, As far as I know, self-contained is more so just like for special needs in general. Is that correct? Yes. From my experience. Okay. It is. Yeah. I mean, it's so different everywhere you go. It it, it really is. And, um, Mm -hmm what's great about the, like the online teaching community is that I learn a lot from other people and their perspectives of what self-contained looks like in a different state versus Texas. Cause I mean, that's mm-hmm. the only state that I know self-contained in. Okay. So in my self-contained classroom, we were first, second, third, and fourth, okay. which is a huge range yeah, that of is ability a, levels. Like a, a first grader and a fourth grader. That's a lot. It It's a lot. It really yeah. is. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's what it was at the school that I was at. And it was all students who had a different, like different abilities and disabilities. It wasn't just autism. It wasn't just cerebral palsy. It wasn't just this or that. It was truly a mix of everything. Mm -hmm. And it was students who they felt would best, their best fit was being in a self-contained classroom. Now, my students all did go out into inclusion classrooms mm-hmm. and each grade level had their, their inclusion classrooms and it was assigned at the beginning of the year. And that was the inclusion classroom. So if my set, my kids were in second grade, they all went to the same teacher for science and social studies. And okay. for some of my kids, my higher ability kids that were closer to grade level, it was definitely more, they would go for science and social studies more for learning the content or experiencing the content. But then for my friends who were nowhere near a third grade level, but they were in third grade, it was more right. for the social aspect of it mm-hmm. and being with their peers. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. My son now, he does inclusion uh, mostly for music class with okay. like his, his, you know, kindergarten peers, his typical mm-hmm. Um, they have started pulling him not necessarily for like a subject. I mean, again, it's kindergarten, yeah. Um, but into the classroom just for a certain amount of minutes, yes, you know, throughout the week. Um, which is great because my son, like, I never know what to say when it's <laughs> people. That's the first question they want to ask is like, "Oh, is he high functioning?" I'm like, "Well," and I don't like to put those labels, but yeah, I feel somewhere in the middle, probably. Okay, yeah. um, he is nonverbal, but he does have like a really good understanding, and he yes. communicates really well with uh, his packs. So that's, that's what we use. Um, Mm -hmm. So he does really, really well with inclusion, but I know like within his class, I think there's, there's seven or eight kids. And I think that he's only one of like two kids that, that gets pushed in for inclusion. Cause some of it's, it's harder for them. They don't, they they are adapting to a new environment. Um, 
I feel like that's really valuable to talk about though, because especially a lot of people listening, most of the people that reach out to me are like new to this whole process and like they're newly diagnosed or they are seeking the diagnosis. And I, I know for me, like last year we were picking a school for Logan and like looking at all the different programs and different, different schools in general, It, it was really difficult. And just to kind of find the right place. And I feel like a lot of times I hear from parents that, you know, they are, they, they want to, obviously you want to, you want to push your kids so that you can see them succeed. Yeah. But you also want them in like the appropriate place to learn. So like, what is your take in terms of like, you know, blended, um, self-contained, like where, where do you kind of draw that line with the kids to like pick where the right placement would be? It's really hard. Yeah. Um, and it's not black and white at all. Mm-hmm. It's extremely gray. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it is. Totally- <laughs> I, I had a student when I taught self-contained who came in from another school and they put him in my classroom mm-hmm. because he had behaviors mm-hmm. that, how do I put this so that it doesn't... <laughs> Like difficult behaviors. They were difficult behaviors that admin didn't necessarily want to deal with in general ed. Right, right. Mm -hmm. Um, And he was put in my classroom and he was only allowed to go out for so many minutes per day. And it was really, really hard Mm -hmm. for everyone in the classroom, for the parents, for the other students, because he was so close to functioning on grade level. Yeah. And here he was in a classroom full of students who are three, four grade levels behind. Mm -hmm. So I am very passionate about putting kids in the placement where they best belong. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I fought that school year and I remember going to my principal in tears more than Mm -hmm. once Mm -hmm. uh, before the placement IEP meeting at the end of the year to talk about placement for the following school year. Mm-hmm. And I just said, he is not a life skills kid. That's what we called self-contained. Um, okay. We call it life skills. Mm-hmm. I said, he is not a life skills kid. I said, he is more of a resource student or mm-hmm. an inclusion student. I said, he is not a life skills kid. Yeah. And I just remember fighting. I mean, every ounce of me fought for that kid to go into the resource setting where he truly belonged and could mm-hmm. succeed and be successful and he did, he got, he got put in resource for the following oh, school oh. year and I cried like oh. happy tears oh. cried. Like it just, I, Damn. that's, I'm passionate about that. I believe yeah. it's not, it's not black and white. Like I said, it's mm-hmm. very gray and it's, yeah. it's hard. I know that it's so hard for the parent mm-hmm. parents to fight for that. Yeah. It's, in a different way, it's equally as hard for us as teachers to oh, help you sure. fight for that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I just want from a teacher perspective, if you're going through struggling with placement with your student, your child, mm-hmm. reach out to the teacher and they want, we really do want what's best for the kids. Yeah. I think that's really, really good advice because I know so often it's like, the, if you can get the teacher on your side yes. and really advocating for your child, because I know, I mean, for you guys, it's like, you're dealing with a lot of like admin and like yeah. pushback and it's not, it's not, it's not always like you said it, there is so much gray area, Yeah, but I do like, I've had some incredible teachers for my son and I've 
like you said, like literally seeing them cry for him. And it's yeah. like what you even even if things don't turn out exactly how you want, knowing that you have someone on your side. Yeah, I think is so important. Um, and it's hard because, you know, you, you don't want to like step on toes. Like I I feel like this year because Logan's at a, at a new school. Mm-hmm. you know getting towards the end of the year I, I I'm like just now getting to the point where I feel like comfortable with his teacher where I feel like yeah I can like her stuff because it's like you do like especially when he's in preschool I had such a close relationship with his teacher yeah. so I felt like I could talk to them anytime and I wasn't like bothering them I'm using right their quotes. <laughs> um <laughs> yeah it's it's hard to to you know set up that that relationship where you have that open communication but I think that if you can if you can do that, it's really only going to help you and your child. Yes, absolutely. I agree for with you. sure. Now, have you ever had a situation where it was like on the other end of the spectrum where there were parents that like wanted to push their kids into like a more blended environment and that wasn't appropriate? Um, let me think. I don't, not necessarily. I've had okay. parents push for things that from my professional viewpoint, didn't think was in the best educational needs of their child. Mm -hmm. But I've never experienced having a parent want to put their kid in inclusion or the general ed class and, you know, make it happen. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. You'd be surprised because I hear (laughs) hear a lot (laughs) where it's like, and I I think, again, it is more kind of like early in the process where, I mean, like it's, this everything about you know having a child with autism like there's a lot of just there's layers and layers of acceptance you know what I mean like you get the diagnosis and it's like you have to learn to accept that and then you have to learn to accept that you know your child is who your child is and you need to meet them where they are not where you need them to be yeah so I think that that can be difficult um, and I think there, there are parents that it's like, obviously they, they really want what's best for them, but they, I think sometimes they really believe though, like, oh, this is, this is what's best. If we push him into yeah. you know, inclusion, then he or she is going to thrive. And it's like that, that could be the case sometimes, but it's like, it's like you were saying before, it's so individual. It is. It's so case by case. Yeah, for sure. What was it like for you then? Like how you were saying, if there was things that, you know, you just didn't agree with from like an educational standpoint, like, was that difficult for you then with the parents? It was, it was, it was very difficult because school districts and this, my personal opinion, I don't agree with it. School districts will do anything to not go to due process. Mm -hmm. So in some cases, that's a really good thing. But then there are the other cases where the parents ask for everything in the teacher's left arm that aren't necessarily going to be in the best benefit of the child's education. Mm-hmm. And that when, when, it, when admin says we have to do it, we have to do it. Right. So we mm-hmm. do it and it doesn't work. And then the parents get mad at us that it's not working mm-hmm. because they heard it worked with so-and-so and so-and-so, but it's, it's so case by case. It, it makes the relationship between the parent and the teacher and the whole IEP team very tense. Mm-hmm. For so sure, it's 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 hard. It definitely um, caused a lot of anxieties. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, tell me a little bit about because you just said IEP meetings, and I know you know most parents they hear they hear IEP meetings and they they shudder a bit. And I'm yeah. sure for the teacher, you probably are also, but for different reasons. From your perspective. What is it like going into an IEP meeting? I 
I might be the outlier, but I love going into IEP meetings. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty great. Yeah. Only because, so you hear a lot of special ed teachers, they'll groan about all the paperwork. They have so much paperwork. And I truly love all of the paperwork. I love collecting data. I love showing the progress that the kids have made. Like that is my, my favorite part. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite parts. I mean, I love working with the kids, but showing parents and admin and other teachers, like how far a child has come mm-hmm. is the best feeling. And that's what an IEP meeting kind of is for. Yeah. You're mm-hmm. also talking about what the child is still struggling with, but yeah. I need to tell you all the great things that your kid is and that your kid is doing. Yeah. And I just, it's so powerful. And I think if mm-hmm. you, if teachers approach an IEP meeting in that way, mm-hmm. it just changes the whole manner of the meeting. Yeah, for sure. I know whenever we do IEP meetings, they of course always start with, you know, the strengths. Yes. <laughs> and for that whole part, like I'm just like beaming and I'm like, Oh yes. Like, tell me more about how yeah. child is. <laughs> but I know for me, it's like, I, I also have that pit in my stomach where I'm yeah. like, Oh God, the challenges are coming. And even if they're like little, and there are things that I know, like, it's very rare that they tell me something that I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but still, like, it's when still hard. There, it's, oh my gosh, it's so hard, Stephanie. It's so hard. Like, you, you just, like, I know for me, especially this year, we've had, like, I don't even know what's going on. I mean, Logan has been, he's been improving in spades, like, this whole past, basically since we started ABA therapy, that's been, like, a huge game changer for him. Yeah. Um, but this year, this is the first year that he has met the benchmarks on his IEP goals. So we do, oh. we're on trimesters here. Oh my gosh. It's like, it's incredible. So we're on trimesters here. So he has like benchmark A, benchmark B. Yeah. So, and then obviously benchmark C is the end of the year. So he has met benchmark A and B at this point. That's so awesome. This was the first year. So like in the fall, you know, his progress report comes home from school and I see it in his backpack and like, I... I just dread it. Like, I'm like, yeah, like, I don't even want to look at this because, you know, the last few years, it's like, I look at it and as much as it's like, you know, this is my kid on paper. This is black and white. This does not show the whole, you know, rainbow of color that he is. And you know that it's still like, it stings so, so hard to see, you know, that they're, they're not meeting their requirements or whatever. So this year when, when he, like I said, the first in the fall when he was meeting the benchmark, I was like, oh my God. <laughs> it was like I won the lottery. I couldn't even believe. Aww. Like so exciting. And then just a little more recently, the second progress part came home and I was like on pins and needles thinking like, okay, it's okay if he didn't do it. Like yeah. he made it before. He's improving so much. So for them to make him to make the, the benchmark again was just like incredible. Oh, now he's so roll, wonderful. So we're just really hoping that when we get to the next one that he can make it too. Yeah. But like I was saying that those kind of things, like the progress reports and then also like in the meetings, just hearing them talk about the challenges. Yeah. It's so hard. It really is. Like I get emotional, like pretty much every time. <laughs> yeah. I don't blame you. I, I, yeah, it's, it is difficult. It's hard. For telling, both it's hard as a yeah. teacher telling a parent and then seeing the parent cry. It's, it's, it's very, very hard. Yeah. I'm sure it is. Yeah. For that. <laughs> um, do you have any tips for parents? So like going into IEP meetings, like things that they can, 
because I feel like I mean it is so individual so it's hard to say but um just you know things to kind of arm themselves with like questions to ask like the right the right ways to just kind of advocate for their kids like from a teacher standpoint from a teacher standpoint so one of the things that when I was teaching self-contained that I started doing was sending out a paper like a week to two weeks in advance of the IEP meeting and just saying what do you feel as the parent are your child's strengths what do you feel are the weaknesses what do we need to work on what goals would you like to see in the IEP so if you're if your child's teacher is not sending one of those things home send the teacher an email and just say hey I know the IEP meeting is coming up I don't want to step on any toes but I just wanted to share my perspective you know, of my child's progress or lack thereof, you know, wherever mm-hmm. your child is and just, just lay it out and just tell them um, because you parents pretty much run the IEP meeting. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know if a lot of parents know that. And when parents reach out to me for help with their child in school and their child's teacher or struggles they're having with the IEP, te- IEP team, I always tell them like, you guys win (laughs) everything (laughs) like if you feel like your child needs something speak up in the IEP meeting Mm -hmm. if you want to have an IEP meeting before the annual IEP meeting write a letter or send an email and let them know Mm -hmm. the parents hold so much power that can be a bad thing but it's also very, very beneficial for the child. So if you have questions, if you have suggestions, if you want to try something, don't be afraid to speak up and mm-hmm. ask for it. That you, you said a couple of things that really blew my mind. <laughs> First of all, having, having the, like the teacher in just that communication before the IEP yeah. meeting, I feel like sometimes it almost seems like it's like, hush, hush, like, what are we going to talk about in the IEP? Yeah. So I feel like that's just like we were saying before, like opening up that communication. I think it's incredible that like you yourself are the ones to do that. But again, even if the teacher isn't doing that Mm -hmm. as the parent, just to kind of open up and be like, Hey, like, these are things that are, are really important to me. I think that that is such a good tip. Um, And then to hear you say that, like the parent runs a meeting, I don't know if it's just like my experience, but like, I, I have not felt that way. <laughs> well, I, okay. I so terrible experiences, but yeah, explain that a little more. Okay. So I pulled a book. So when I left my last classroom in Texas, before I moved to Georgia, I went and bought a bunch of different books on IEPs and all of these different topics, because I figured if I'm not in the classroom teaching kids right now, I can better educate myself. So when I do go back into the classroom, I have all of this knowledge and it basically in my mind, it wasn't a waste of my time to just Mm -hmm. not be in the classroom. So I read this one book and if you haven't read it, it is the best hands down book I have ever read on IEPs. And this changed, I don't want to say it fully changed my perspective, but when I say the parent holds all the power, this book will teach you that it's called all about IEPs. Answers mm-hmm. to Frequently Asked Questions About IEPs. It's a rights law book, um, W-R-I-G-H-T-S. And it's by Peter Wright, Pamela Wright, and Sandra O'Connor. Ooh, I bought okay. it on Amazon. You can I, okay. you can get it at Barnes & Noble, too. Okay. Um, but it is 
it explains everything. It lays out questions that a lot of parents may have Mm -hmm. and it gives you the answer based on the law. So, yes, it is a good resource for sure. And even for teachers, it is Mm -hmm. fantastic because I learned so much from this book that Mm -hmm. I had not learned in eight years of teaching in a classroom in four different states. Wow. Like it is, (laughs) I don't want to say that schools don't keep things from you, Mm -hmm. but they're going to do what they do to keep the budget small and not do X, Y, and Z because there's no money in the budget. There's money in the budget. (laughs) You can move it around and make it work because you're here to educate the kids. And that's the whole premise of education. So that book will really, I mean, you're going to read it and you're going to be like, oh my goodness, Mrs. D was right. Like I have the power. <laughs> Mind blown. It, um, yeah, it I'm was. so excited to read that book. It was, re- and it's a really easy read. So <laughs> oh, it's not, it won't take you like three months to read it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Cause his IEP is coming up soon. So I want to be prepared for that. That that's a really good tip because I think, yeah, a lot of times as parents, like I feel like we are going into these IEP meetings sometimes already feeling like defeated. Yes. You know what I mean? Oh, so- I completely get it because that's, I, I see it from a teacher yeah. standpoint, sitting, watching administration and them just saying, Nope. Yeah. Like, but I, I, my hands are tied. I, I can't do much as a teacher. But you as the parent can be like, well, no, like legally you have to do it. Yeah, this is the law. Yeah. It is so interesting that, you know, there, there's so much, there's so many like loopholes. I feel like that if you don't know about them to ask, yeah. you just wouldn't know because right. it's like, they're not, they're not offering up this information. Yep. So it's like, if you're the one to ask about it, then like you said, okay, like legally this has to happen, but it's, it's so hard to know all those things as a parent. Cause it's yeah. like, you, you're just kind of going into this blind. Okay. I'm really excited to read that book. So yeah, the book is great. And they do have a website too. I think it's just rightslaw.com. Let me see if it says it in here. Or if you just search rightslaw, it's W-R-I-G-H-T. Their website is even fantastic. And you can ask questions yourself. And it's, it's a phenomenal resource for teachers and for parents. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's incredible. I can't, I really can't wait to read that. Um, okay. So switching gears a little bit, you had mentioned earlier that you have struggled with anxiety. I've seen this on your, your Instagram too. You've been yes. very about it, which I think is so admirable because it is oh, something, thank you. yes, it is something that so many people deal with on a daily basis. And I think we're talking about it more, but still yes. not, as, and it's not, it's not as, 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 you know, we're not having the honest conversations that I wish we would sometimes. I agree. Yes. So if you, like you were saying before, I mean, like I said, if you felt comfortable, yes. I would love to hear more about that. Cause I know that so many people listening can relate. So what do you want to know? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to like pry, but you, I mean, I mean, I'm open. You can ask me anything okay. and I'm, okay. will give you my honest answer. <laughs> okay. Cause like when you and I had first started talking, yes. you were like, I don't know how much I want to share. And I was like, that's fine. Like yeah. you, you can share as much as you want. Um, but then since, since then you've kind of changed your, your mind a little bit and you're I have. okay. I have. So do you want to kind of go into that a little bit? Like what made you, you know, decide to leave the classroom? So, all right, we're getting right into it. Okay. I don't, I'm sorry. <laughs> 
I'm being <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> it's completely fine. Let me know. <laughs> um, so in my third year of teaching in self-contained, I made the very hard decision to leave mid-year. Mm-hmm. And it was due to my anxiety. I had my first anxiety attack after school in my classroom. And anxiety looks very different to everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, but anxiety to me is just unbelievably uncontrollable crying and hyperventilating and not being able to breathe when I'm in the middle of an attack, mm-hmm. an anxiety attack. So when I had that, it I was scared. I didn't know yeah. what it was. It was the first anxiety attack I've ever had. And in my mm-hmm. classroom, you know, that's my classroom. I feel like it's my safe space. Yeah. You know, it's like my second home. Mm-hmm. And so I just, I remember calling my husband and I remember crying to him the entire drive home. And I had like my drive home when I lived in Texas was 45 minutes on a good day Mm because traffic in Houston is, it's not as bad actually now that we live in Atlanta, but (laughs) (laughs) Um, it was bad then. (laughs) It was a good hike. And I went home and I remember I fell asleep on the couch in my school uniform clothes Mm -hmm. until the next morning. So I slept 12 or 14 hours that night. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I woke up and went back to school and we came home. I came home that next day and I talked to my husband and I was like, I can't do this. I can't, I can't give my kids the best of me when I'm not even giving me the best of me. Yeah. You know, I, Mm -hmm. you can't pour from an empty cup. Right. Mm -hmm. So I made the decision to leave at winter break. I gave my school two months notice because Mm -hmm. I felt that winter break was a perfect time of year. Their kids were going home for two weeks and it was a good transition for them. Mm -hmm. Um, So I chose my timing based on my students. Yeah. And so I flash forward, there's a lot more that goes into the whole story, but mm-hmm. I left mid-year that year. I decided to not return the next school year mm-hmm. because I wasn't ready. Yeah. And I myself was in denial about having anxiety. I That's was, was going to ask is like, so you had that, that anxiety attack and obviously, I mean, it yeah. sounds terrifying. Do you feel like it was like a, a slow burn that led to that and you just maybe weren't weren't seeing things or, or did it really just come out of nowhere like that? Looking back on it, it was definitely a slow burn. Mm -hmm. I had felt it the previous school year. That was the school year that I had the student that I fought to be put in the resource classroom among Mm -hmm. other things in the classroom. Um, I had kids in every grade and it just, it was a very hard year. Mm -hmm. And And looking back, I can see how it, that it started. Yeah. But I didn't recognize it until the attack. And that was the light bulb in my head. And I was like, I need to do something for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I honestly, though, after I left, um, I was bullied by people that I had worked with and bullied by people in the online teaching community for choosing to leave the classroom mid-year. And so I decided not to go back the following year because I wasn't ready. I was still ashamed that I, I felt like I had gotten anxiety and I wanted to give it back, which isn't something you can do. That's an interesting way to put it, but yeah. I see what you're saying. Mm-hmm. So I was still working through it. And then I started therapy mm-hmm. 
that January. So the following a year after I was diagnosed, I started therapy and that was the game changer for me. Okay. It was just phenomenal. I would recommend therapy to everybody. Like I feel like everybody needs to be in therapy. I agree. I I totally agree. Mm -hmm. Truly love therapy. So Mm -hmm. I chose when we moved to Georgia, I chose not to go back, not only because, you know, I wasn't ready, but I knew that we were moving again. Mm -hmm. So I didn't want to have to leave kids mid-year again and go through all of that. So I just decided to not go back. Mm -hmm. And we moved to Georgia. I've transferred my license and everything. And summer came and I just, I felt a lot of pressure Mm -hmm. that I needed to go back. And I still felt like I wasn't ready because when we moved to Texas, I had to stop going to therapy because my therapist was in Texas. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. I hadn't fully worked through everything. Mm Mm-hmm. And there's a lot, I mean, there's a lot more that goes into it. There were family things going on and personal things going on besides anxiety. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I, I've decided not to go back this past year. So I'm mm-hmm. not in the classroom now. I work on Mrs. D's corner full time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I uh, went, started going back to therapy actually with my therapist in Houston virtually. So oh, virtual what? therapy is just as amazing as in-person therapy that's such a good tip because it's it, like yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of people that think oh like it's gonna take time out of my life to, to do therapy but it's like yeah virtual therapy like there's, you can go anywhere that's a really good it's, yeah virtual therapy is amazing so I've had two sessions now mm-hmm. and I think we're gonna I've been going every other week so I've been going for about a month now okay and we're gonna start going back to once a month okay gotcha so I'm finally I'm still struggling with my anxiety, mm-hmm. but I'm finally in a place where I've accepted that I have it and, you know, I've chosen not to go back into the classroom yet mm-hmm. for myself and mm-hmm. to some people that may be selfish, but to me, it's what I need to do to better be able to serve kids. Absolutely. So. I that's selfish at all. I think the first thing when you said, you know, you can't pour from an empty cup. Yeah. That, I mean, there, that's just there's nothing more true than that. Like if, if you yourself are, you know, depleted. Yeah. Like you said before, like you can't give your students the best if you can't give yourself the best and you need right. to feel, feel your best to be in that situation. Yeah. Um, no, I think, I think it's so brave of you to, to be talking about this and to well, be, thank you. About <laughs> it. yes, for sure. Because so many people, it doesn't matter what you do, your, your, your job or as a parent, there's so many people that deal with anxiety and yeah, like, like you had said before, like that, you know, that first anxiety attack, like anxiety is, it is irrational and there is, there's it nothing. Is. Yeah. There's nothing that you can do in those moments to, to fix it. And you just have to feel it. You do. You have to feel mm-hmm. it. And like you said, you have to work through it. And that's terrible. That is <laughs> the worst thing ever. And the best thing ever at the same time, like yeah, having to feel your emotions and actually, because when you're anxious, and for me, I feel these things, but then my brain is like, nope, it's not right. But then anxiety is there too saying, mm-hmm. oh yeah, that's, that's, that's the truth. That's the truth. And yeah. you're fighting with yourself. So I find what helps me is if I just allow myself to feel what I'm feeling, mm-hmm. cry it out and then I'm done and it'll eventually come back, but it doesn't go away for me anyway, until I feel it. Yeah, for sure. No, I think that's such that's such good advice. And like with therapy, I like yeah. 
me like just talking is so helpful I know I love talking <laughs> yeah I love talking too hence why I have a podcast but that to me like I I'm I'm very blessed and lucky that I I don't really deal with anxiety I've had anxious moments in my life so yeah. I can relate to it on some level because those those anxious moments are they really are like crushing and it's it's yeah. so you like you said you don't know what's up from down um yeah. but for me like I know when I'm having those thoughts and like I'm feeling anxious I if I can just like talk it out with someone mm-hmm. I'm actually very lucky because my my best friend is a therapist so <laughs> she's oh. not my therapist but she's very but she's good. a therapist yeah. yeah she's so good at like give like I can tell her like I'm feeling anxious about you know like a b and c yeah and she's really good by just like giving me tips to like kind of calm down and, and just listening to me and being there for me obviously is important yeah that's yes, so helpful. totally um and I like for me I know that is always so helpful and I know for a lot of people, it's like talking about your anxiety is anxiety inducing. So it's like, it's scary it to do that. But then once you do, oh, it is. Yeah. once you do, then you can feel like so much better and just kind of like release it. Yeah, I had, <laughs> I've had people reach out to me about therapy, because I'm very open. About yeah, it. I want to end the stigma mm-hmm. of, you know, asking for help is a weakness. It's mm-hmm. not like going to therapy is really, really hard. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Work for all of but that. When I leave therapy, I feel like I could be like lift the world. Mm-hmm. Like it's just it's changing. But I have a lot of people ask me, so how do you open up to your therapist? And how, like, what do you say? And how do you start the conversation? And I, was like, I just open my mouth. Like, <laughs> it just flies <laughs> it out. It just comes out. <laughs> I think for some people, that is really hard, though. Like some people, they just, it they're is, not yeah. naturally as like, you know, communicative yeah. with their feelings like that. Um, but I yeah. think in that, if that's the case, then it's like, you just, you really have to do your due diligence about finding the right therapist for you. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Mm-hmm. And just like, right. that's very important. Just like with, you know, with, with my, my son, like with therapy for like, he does ABA therapy. Like we've had a couple of different therapists where I'm like, I don't feel like this is jiving and you know, you, yeah. you have to, th- you yeah, know. Oh, totally. Yeah. So I mean, it's the same thing. I don't, I think any kind of therapy, it's just like, it has to have that, that mutual kind of yes. understanding of each other to, to really get, get yes. to where you want to go. Um, well, I, I really do. I appreciate you talking about that because I know, especially for, I think for any parents, there's moments of anxiety, but for special needs parents, um, there's yes. a lot of anxiety. <laughs> there's a lot of things that, yeah. that are very scary. And I know there's probably a lot of people listening who can really relate to, to those struggles. Um, tell me a little bit, because like I said, I connected with you through Mrs. D's corner. I think it was one of those things where yes. it was like, you know, you, you like, you should follow this person on Instagram, how I found you. <laughs> but I, I love the content that you put out. So many great oh, well, tips, obviously you. for teachers, but also just for parents too. I feel like you're always like giving little like hacks and tips. What like inspired you to, to do that and just to grow it? Like how, how did that all get, get going? I started blogging and doing social media, teachers pay teachers, Mrs. D's corner thing when after we got married and I had moved back to Pennsylvania to live with my husband (laughs) um I couldn't find a teaching Mm -hmm. job so you know I was at home and I was I came across teachers pay teachers and I was like well I make my own stuff for my kids why can't I sell Mm -hmm. it too and that's just kind of where it started and that was 2011 oh it's it's just kind of blossomed yeah it's I'm on eight is 2019. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. And it's basically just like, like you were saying, like different educational tools and 
Yeah. Yes. Um, and you come up with all that stuff on your own. That's yeah. amazing. You're so creative. <laughs> <laughs> Most of what I share comes from a need of students that I've taught in the past or I mean, I, I just, I have totes of stuff in my, my garage of my teacher stuff. And I just went through it the other week and I found just post note lists of just ideas that I had for resources to create for my kids that I had in self-contained. Mm-hmm. So all of my resources that I've created have come out of a need for my, the kids that I've mm-hmm. taught. So I still have... I mean, even now that I'm not in the classroom, I, st- I still have post note lists upon lists yeah. <laughs> of things that I know teachers need because I needed mm-hmm. it when I was in the classroom. That's, that's so amazing. And I think that for you, like you're obviously, like I said, you're so creative and also resourceful. Um, but I think that, you know, as a teacher, you're, you're doing something so special, like you're, you're helping these kids, but I feel like what, what you're doing with, with Mrs. D is like just as helpful and just as important in a different way. So I can't imagine anybody who is like, you know, giving you crap about not being in the room. Well, thank because you. Because you're doing, you're still doing such amazing work and important work. Keep talking because you're making my anxiety <laughs> hush. No, but it's Keep true. Going. <laughs> I don't know. People, I mean, like haters gotta hate you know what I mean like they just like yeah they, and I I've been lucky I, I really haven't had had much of the podcast but there are people that come at me that you know like I'll say something and it's like you 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 can't take everything so seriously and it's like if you are you're doing the best that you can for yourself and like I said you're still doing such important work like well, let, let them let them say what they want to say because you know you know what you're doing and it really is it's it's really special well, thank you. I appreciate that yeah. a lot. That means a oh, lot. for sure. Well, Stephanie, thank you so much. I feel like you've given such, such great knowledge about a Thanks. variety of <laughs> topics, <laughs> not just when it comes to, you know, having a child, having a special needs child in school. But I really, I'm so happy to hear your perspective as the teacher. Cause like I was saying before, I, I've had many different therapists on, but I think, you know, as a mom, having yeah dropping your kid off at school especially like logan started kindergarten this year and it's full day having your child be gone at school like for you know so many hours a day it's it almost is like i know at least for me like i felt like my arm was missing you know what i mean so like trusting trusting your 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 child with with a teacher and just knowing that like there's people that are passionate and that care so much like like you do and so many other teachers do uh it just warms my heart it really does Oh, well, thank you. I do the best that I can. Yeah. yeah. Well, you do a great job for sure. Thank um, you. Do you want to share? I mean, we, we talked about it, but where people can connect with you and find you. Sure. Um, you can find me at mrsdscorner.com or on any social media platforms, mostly Facebook and Instagram, um, just at Mrs. D's Corner. Wonderful. Okay. Well, now I'll, I'll tag you in that when I, when I share this. Thank you so much, yes. Stephanie. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. You're so me. welcome. All right. Take care. All right. Bye. Okay. Well, I hope you enjoyed listening to my conversation with Stephanie. I had so much fun talking to her. She is just a delight. And again, I really appreciate her honesty, especially about all of her anxiety struggles. And I know there's so many people listening who can relate to that, even if it's on a different level. I think that it's, it's such a, an important topic that doesn't always get the 
the, the light that it deserves. So I really appreciate her kind of opening up about that and, and sharing so honestly. Um, and I'm super excited to check out all those resources that she had mentioned for the IEP meetings. We are deep into prep for, for Logan's IEP. And it's so funny since we, her and I recorded this episode, not very long after her hit Logan's teacher reached out to me with like a little survey to talk about what we wanted to kind of go over on this year's IEP, which was so wonderful because <laughs> obviously her and I talked about that and I was like kind of gearing up ready to to send an email and then, and then she sent home that survey and we have been in, in very close communication since kind of discussing everything that we are looking into for the IEPs. I feel like so many people listening are going to be able to relate to that because we are definitely in... IEP season. I think everybody knows what that's like. So anyone dealing with IEPs, I'm right there with you. <laughs> We're all in this together. Um, but yeah, Stephanie had some, some really valuable information and resources to check out. So I am very excited to look into all that. So again, thank you so much for listening. And if you are enjoying the show, please leave a review on Apple podcast spread the love, share, share with a friend, tell a friend, let everybody know that you love adventures in autism. (laughs) If you want to connect with me, you can find me on Facebook at adventures in autism podcast on Instagram at adventures in autism pod, or you can email me at adventures in autism 2018 at yahoo.com. Please reach out. I love connecting with you guys and hearing from everybody who is loving the show. So thank you so much for listening and until next time, take care.